Welcome to the WeGo Places podcast, where we catch up with WeGo grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgiev, class of 2022. Today, I'm excited to talk to class of 2012's Diana Sheck, formerly Diana Serio, RN, and soon-to-be nurse practitioner. Diana will share with us how medicine became her calling and share with us some clever study tips as well. Joining us from the class of 2012 is Diana Sheck, formerly Serio. Diana, what do you do? So um, I am a RN, registered nurse. Um, I work at Elmhurst Memorial Hospital. Uh, I've worked there now six years as an RN, and uh, prior to that, I worked there for about a year as a nurse aide. Diana, did you have an inkling in high school at WeGo that you wanted to pursue a career in medicine? I did. I, when I, I would say probably sophomore year, um, I started to kind of realize, okay, I really like biology. I enjoyed that freshman year. And then um, my junior year, I took AP Bio and I was like, okay, I definitely want to go into medicine. And I, I don't have anyone in my family that's a nurse, but I just felt like nursing was going to be the right path for me. So. After we go, you go off to study at Calvin College uh, up in Grand Rapids. Uh, how did you like Calvin? Calvin was awesome. Um, so one of my best friends who also went to Chicago, Kelsey Jeb, uh, previously Kelsey Sainer, she kind of mentioned Calvin to me and I looked into it. And because it's a private school, I was able to also get more um, uh, scholarship. And, uh, so I was like, okay, I think this is the right, the right choice for me. Um, I also, um, am Catholic. And so the Christian background at Calvin kind of drew, drew me there as well. Um, and yeah, Calvin was amazing. I really enjoyed going to a school that was smaller. Um, I got to know my classmates really well and the campus. Um, and also Grand Rapids is just an awesome city. So I, I really enjoyed my time at Calvin. Tell me more about the coursework when you you start up at, at Calvin. What were some of the early classes like and how did it maybe uh, begin to kind of escalate in terms of its uh, rigor uh, in your program? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I began my first semester. You kind of have to sort of have an idea if you want to go into nursing. Um, you don't have to starting off, but it does help to have that idea um, because you start off taking um, a biochem slash organic chem kind of mixture class chemistry. And then I'm trying to think that that one stood out to me freshman year at the beginning. And then sophomore year, you take um, anatomy and physiology. Um, you know, there's some psychology classes in there, uh, a couple of those. So it, it was tough. I mean, those first three semesters for me um, were, were a lot of um, like foundational classes. Um, and then I was actually really lucky. I was able to study abroad my fourth semester, so sophomore year 
spring uh, in Spain um, for five months in uh, northern Spain. So I was able to do that as well. So in regards to nursing, I mean, those first uh, three semesters are pretty, pretty rigorous. But I mean, you have the support of um, your classmates and the professors, especially at Calvin. I always felt very supported there. Um, if I had concerns about like how I was doing in a class, um, and after, I want to say after those three semesters, you find out whether or not you are uh, accepted into the nursing program. Um, and I think that's typical of most kind of undergraduate programs for nursing. Um, so yeah, so those first couple classes, it definitely was an adjustment to go from high school to college. I mean, in high school, um, you know, I studied, especially like for AP Bio, I remember studying quite a bit for the test, but I didn't realize how much study you really need to do um, until my first exam in my chemistry class. I remember freshman year, I got a C. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> I can't only study for like two hours and hope I'm going to do well. You have to really like use different techniques, like writing things down, um, using different colors is what I started to do to kind of help myself uh, memorize certain things. Um, so it definitely was an adjustment from high school. Okay. So I have, I have three questions that came up <laughs> to my mind, but I want to, I want to, uh, stick on that last point right there. Um, could you just, I mean, it's always nice to know how people have different study hacks and how they're able to kind of conquer something that seemed kind of insurmountable. My, my, my understanding is that early on in medical uh, professions that one of the weed out classes is organic uh, chemistry. And that's something that's really a mountain that a lot of people face. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but what, how, could you describe that, that the color technique of how you were able to kind of create different kind of associations from memory and consequence and, uh, and cause and effect? That sounds really interesting. That might be something that could be helpful for people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I kind of realized that I could categorize things. Um, and I still use that in my current studying as well. So I categorize things by using different, um, back then I was using like different like colored pencils. So I would write things in different colored pencils and write those on flashcards. And so then when I was going through and studying somehow, I don't know if that works for everybody, but somehow my brain like made the connection, like, okay, I'm studying about, um, well, this was more in the nursing and uh, now my master's program, but I'm studying about um, ACE inhibitors. So that's a type of medication. So I did that, let's say in green, because it makes me think of like the lungs and you can actually have a side effect of cough from ACE inhibitors. So just different like associations, I guess. Um, and just color coding, I think just helps your brain sort of like recall certain things. Um, when you're like taking a test, you're like, you kind of think about it and you're like, Oh, I think I wrote that in green. Oh, this is what that said. And I don't know if that's necessarily like, it's not like a photographic memory kind of ideal. I think it would work for most people. Um, but I think it just helps your brain to categorize what you're doing and, um, have it to be more a systematic process rather than everything just kind of blurring together. It's interesting how memory it's it's it seems to be assisted by attaching something to something else. Yeah. Like it piggybacks along. I remember I was having this conversation with my neighbor who read a book on memory and it was with a guy who somehow entered in the memory contest where he had to like remember a series of names or numbers in a particular sequence mm -hmm. and he said one of the hacks that he used was to remember something in sequence remember imagine you're walking into a room in a house oh. and then attach 
the visual of that to that room as you're proceeding. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like, I, mean, I might be butchering the actual technique, but it was yeah, the idea of connecting those things together. And that's kind of what you were doing there too, where that's what it reminded me of, like where you're attaching color to lungs to a consequence with that. So it's, it's super fascinating. Absolutely. Did you, did you, um, with those like early classes that were really tough, is organic chem as bad as they say it is? Or did you find a way of kind of conquering that? So for myself, um, in a nursing program, um, it's a little bit different than like pre-med or like having like a biochemistry degree. So if someone's really nervous about those kind of classes in nursing, it's just the one, it's actually just one chemistry class that you take and it's combined of organic chemistry, biochemistry. Um, so for me, I mean, I knew it was going to be a tough class. Um, I found a study partner and we would just kind of uh, do teach back method, which is where you um, explain something to someone. And it's true that like, if you can teach someone something, you know it. I mean, it, I don't, I think there's like a statistic, like you remember it 90% of the time or something like that. But um, yeah, so I think it, it wasn't horrible. I think it just definitely takes that time and effort. And it's just a big difference going from high school into undergrad because you kind of don't realize how much time you really do need to dedicate to studying to really know it. Um, and sometimes some people have that come easier to them than others, but um, just kind of getting a system that works for you. Um, but yeah, I know like my, some of my associate, like my friends that have gone through uh, those really tough, like OCHEM classes and everything there, there are a lot, but I think you just have to like also compartmentalize and kind of say, okay, this is what I'm doing today this is what I'm going to do tomorrow and like just take it a little bit at a time because that's kind of the best way to just kind of learn and just kind of give yourself that time to process everything. That makes a lot of sense. I, I always like learning how to learn better. You know, I'm always, <laughs> I'm always thinking about like how different ways to kind of crack the brain to have better retrieval process and all that because it's in how to synthesize really. So it's always interesting to, to hear how different people uh, go about it. So let's get to the fun part too. How did, when did you know that you wanted to uh, go to Spain and, and what were the type of coursework and things that you did while you were there? Yeah, so I decided I want to go to Spain. I was deciding between um, doing a minor and a major in Spanish, and I'm just very passionate about Spanish. And I mean, it's been part of my life since like seventh grade, and I knew I always wanted to be able to speak as fluently as possible, um, especially going into the medical field, because I knew that that would really help my patients to be less fearful um, and feel encouraged when they're in a really kind of scary situation in the medical, um, you know, in like hospital or at a doctor's appointment and stuff like that. Um, so I, yeah, I kind of just was like, okay, I want to go for it. It was a big decision to make because it was hard to say, okay, I'm going to be gone for five months in a foreign country. I'll be away from like my boyfriend and my family and everything. Um, but I never, ever regretted it. It was such an amazing experience. I was able to, um, I lived with a host mom who spoke no English. So it really immersed me and um, kind of almost forced me to use my skills. And I definitely believe that that has allowed me to continue to, to speak Spanish at a pretty decent conversational level with my patients, um, even eight years after, after going. So, um, it was such a cool experience. Uh, we got to travel around the country and just like see, um, a lot of historical stuff that is just, it's crazy how, how old things are in Europe rather than in the U S. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just, it, it's a beautiful country. I mean, there's a lot of, um, 
beautiful countryside and also just, yeah, the architecture is, is amazing. So um, it was cool, like applying like my Spanish, I think I took a Spanish art class in high school and just applying like different, like, you know, periods of time, like the buttresses and like stuff like that. So it it was, it was really all encompassing. I, I had an incredible time getting to study abroad. When did you say that you felt that the switch to saying that I am now almost um, that you're competent in Spanish to then taking it to that next level? Like, how many weeks or months in did you say, like, all right, now I'm I'm actually very confident and fluid where uh, you can't be stopped? Like, where where did you? Th- when did that happen during the trip? Do you remember like where it was like, yeah. oh yeah, I can do this? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say it definitely took a couple months, probably, yeah, probably about halfway through, I was really starting to feel more confident with my skills. And um, my my other uh, fellow um, classmates that went on the trip, we all like tried to continue to speak in Spanish when we were together too, because it really just solidifies that part of like your brain, talking about the brain again, but it solidifies that area of your brain where you're just, you're constantly using it. You're conjugating the verbs, um, correctly. And, um, so I would say it, yeah, it probably took about two months ish, but I mean, I think any experience where you can become immersed, uh, in another culture in another country that speaks a, a foreign language, if you're trying to learn that is so useful. I mean, um, there were other opportunities to go for like a few weeks, which I think even a few weeks is is a great opportunity for people that are are curious and maybe don't feel um, they don't feel like five months away is something that they can commit to. So I think yeah, any experience abroad is is just really great. So when you come back from Spain, when do you actually start? getting into the hospital setting and working with patients? Yeah. So I returned from Spain my uh, sophomore year, spring semester, and then I started my clinicals, um, my nursing clinicals, um, junior year, um, fall semester. So it was that next semester. Um, And I believe I did my mental health rotation first, um, as well as Uh, We started in like a community setting. So I worked with um, a community of um, homeless uh, individuals. So we kind of paired with a few of the shelters in in the Grand Rapids area. And uh, we were really, really, really baby nurses at that time. We we started to just, you know, check blood pressures manually, um, check pulses. um, So and just like very basic education for patients. Um, So, yeah, so that was a cool start to my nursing clinicals. When you say you're on like a, a rotation, how many different types of rotations do you go on? And like, and do you have to then commit to a particular specialty after you go through the full rotations? Um, so for for your bachelor's degree for nursing, um, there's usually, let me think. Um, so we started with mental health and community, and then I moved on to um, women's health and pediatrics. Um, and then the, let's see, senior year, the whole first semester was all medical surgical. So um, that was, you know, on, on like we were, I believe I was on a neuroscience floor. So just kind of getting an idea of what it's like to care for adults in an acute care setting in the hospital. And then after that, the last semester was a capstone, which I really enjoyed. I was able to 
um, kind of pick where I wanted to go. And it was one-on-one with a nurse in the hospital rather than um, like the previous semesters, you're in like a group of like eight nursing students and you're all kind of on the same floor. Um, For your capstone, you get to go one-on-one with a nurse in the hospital and kind of really um, employ all the skills that you've learned. Um, So I got to be in the emergency room for that. So that was a really great experience. And, uh, and then I was in the community setting again. So it was kind of, it kind of comes full circle, um, at least at the Calvin nursing program that I did, which I thought was, it was really cool. I mean, it just kind of helped you to reflect on how much you've learned over the last um, two years. Um, And no, there's really not a necessity, like when it comes to nursing to kind of pick where you want to go. You know, of course, especially with the pandemic now, like there's such a need for nurses really in any field. So I think the cool part about nursing is that you can find your your niche and kind of see like, hey, I really enjoy working with kids. Like I want to do pediatrics or, you know, the hospital's not for me. Like I want to work in a doctor's office or... I really like all of like the really intense like physiological processes like I want to work in ICU or the ER. So yeah, so you don't have to decide right away. And uh, I think that's one of the really cool parts about nursing. And you can always change your career as well. Do you remember the day where it became clear to you that that was the area you wanted to uh, focus in on where it's like, well, this is, it felt like this is where the action is. What was the, what was the, uh, switch there as well? Yeah. So I, um, I really liked the ER for my, my capstone. Um, I currently work at Elmhurst hospital as a nurse, as an RN. I've actually been on the post-operative orthopedic floor for, um, six years, but I also do, um, post-operative, um, short stay surgery. So I take care of patients after like a hysterectomy or, um, uh, thyroidectomy, also like same like joint uh, replacements as well. Um, so I think um, I never actually did end up working in the ER. I think it's it's something though that I apply like to my practice is just getting um, like the history of why the patient's there um, is is so important. Just asking the correct questions, which I feel like does just take a lot of time and experience to know which questions to ask. Um, and recognizing if someone's dealing with like a side effect of a medication versus like a change in like a, a process that's going on um, there. So yeah, so I I didn't end up really working in the ER, but it's kind of been great. I've been able to get a lot of different experiences, more centrally focused on orthopedics, but kind of like all surgeries and all medical patients in the hospital. So you have to have a type of medical mastery to be able to do the functional things to help your patients along but it you know there's also the body and the mind you know part of that as well and i was wondering does does nursing uh in any way formally teach you the kind of soft skills to have the bedside manner because i mean you are seeing people in degrees of pain and discomfort and all of that what kind of how do you begin to um, do? Is there a training for that, or is this something that you kind of begin to just see done because of the intuition of watching, let's say, other nurses or other doctors on the floor do that? What's what's the the blend of how you're able to arrive to be able to uh, provide also the type of emotional management for your patients? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, so. When we are in nursing school. Um, 
they do give us kind of classes on how to approach situations, um, how to use like open-ended rather than close-ended questions to kind of gather information on how your patient's feeling. Um, so that's like really like the structural kind of like the the structural kind of like teaching classes that we kind of receive in order to know how to communicate with our patients. And but I do think like there is a part of a nurse that is just innate that you you really want to take care of people and you want to just be compassionate towards others and um, just help people. I mean, and I think that it, it's hard to say. I do think part of that has to be just like who you are. And because mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, you can definitely study how to interact and have a good relationship with your patients, but I think the biggest thing that people respect in any healthcare provider of any like stature is just sitting down next to them on a chair and just listening to them. I think there's so much power in just listening to people, whether they're in pain, whether they're scared, whether they're like happy, whether they're sad, you know, just no matter what's going on, I think that listening is just the most powerful thing that, um, that really any healthcare provider can do. And then you learn so much about what's going on with your patient too. It is interesting because in some ways you're, you you have to kind of manage a type of on the spot therapy for them as they're going through this. Mm -hmm. On the other side of that too, you're kind of a detective, right? So Mm -hmm. you have to kind of begin to sort out through a various different questions to figure out how do we get to the root of what's uh, causing this. Mm -hmm. Is there a way you can describe like the opening set of questions? Like what's the heuristic that it takes you to um, be able to get to the root uh, of what's happening there? Do you, is there like a, a strategy behind that? Yeah. So um, I would say uh, I, that I've learned more about that, especially in my master's program. Um, I'm currently working on my master's to be a nurse practitioner. I'm graduating really soon, uh, which I'm really excited about. So I think I've come a long way in regards to like how I formulate my questions and and kind of gear my questions towards like how the patient's feeling. I mean, of course, if you walk into a patient room and you can tell someone's like visibly like either really upset or really angry, like you don't want to approach them in a way that's going to upset them more. And you just want to kind of like be a calm, very calm um, source of energy. Like I really think there's a lot to be said about like how you present like yourself in regards to like calmness in in a room. I think that affects kind of the energy of the room as well. Um, But I would say like specifically in my, in my nursing career um, as a bedside nurse, I take care of patients that are typically enduring um, a lot of pain. So because they had a back surgery, uh, a knee replacement, a, a hip replacement. So um, you know, I, I, of course, introduce myself and explain, you know, um, kind of give them a little bit of education on like how they're going to feel and what to expect. Because I think when you provide patients with uh, realistic expectations, they're much more likely to, you know, succeed at the recovery rather than when they ha- don't really know what to expect. They're much more anxious and um, not able to really go forward and, and recover well. Um And so, you know, if a patient's experiencing a lot of pain, I want to kind of figure out what kind of pain they're feeling. So I say, okay, can you describe it to me? You know, the location, how long it's been going on. And that's more, you know, when it comes to like postoperatively, I kind of have an idea because I've been caring for these these patients for quite some time. But now um, as a future nurse practitioner, you kind of have, you do have sort of like a 
system that you use in regards to assessing symptoms, kind of want to know about like the onset, patient duration, any like alleviating factors, anything that's making it worse, anything that the patient's using to treat. Um, And I use a mnemonic to remember those things. So there's a lot of things that I've learned, you know, in my undergrad and now continuing on with my education that there's just certain things that you want to ask depending on what the patient's reporting. And then there's um, just really, you know, always to approach your patient with compassion and try and understand how they're feeling is just so important. You are about to finish your next degree in to, to become a nurse practitioner. What are the, going to be the differences between uh, this new job and, and what you were doing before? Yeah. So um, as a, as an RN, um, your focus is definitely on making sure your patient uh, is not in pain and trying to, you know, or treating that pain um, based on the, the orders that are provided to you uh, from the provider. Um, you're also trying to make sure that, you know, they're able to get washed up okay. They're able to walk to the bathroom safely. Um, they're able to uh, work with physical therapy. You're coordinating their discharge. Um, you're educating them on, at least in where I work as a nurse, you're educating them on um, post-operative care. Um, so it's definitely more, it's interactive in the way that you are kind of trying to, it's hard to explain, but you're trying, you're trying to just continue the flow of the day and help your patients get to the point of where they need to be. And just in, and it's more monitoring really as a nurse. Um, I mean, of course there's much, there's lots of interventions you can do as a nurse, but it's really monitoring and making sure there aren't any critical changes, uh, especially in the acute care setting. As a nurse practitioner, um, it's it's a little bit more, you're using the knowledge that you've gathered over time to essentially work as a provider. So um, you are able to prescribe medication, you're able to diagnose. Um, so it's been very interesting to learn almost more of the medical model in order to be a provider, because I would say as a nurse, your focus is more on those like monitoring comfort interventions. But then as a nurse practitioner, you are gathering the subjective data on how the patient's feeling, and then you're trying to figure out what sort of diagnosis they have, and then you're determining if you want to, um, you know, order labs prior to that to kind of see, like, what diagnosis they have. So just, it's a, almost a different, like, mindset, um, which has been really interesting as I've almost finished school, because when I'm at work as a nurse, I kind of have to, like, switch to a nurse sort of mindset. And then when I've been doing my clinicals for my nurse practitioner program, it's, it's just, it's a different sort of mindset. Um, so I guess that's really what I would explain it as. No, that was, that was really uh, well done. That makes a lot of sense. Now that could not have been easy, you know, being a full-time nurse and getting this degree, how were you able to kind of manage your time doing both things? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It was it was quite challenging. Um, so my program for my master's degree was three and a half years. So I was working full time through my first semester of my practicum or my clinicals for a nurse practitioner. Um, and for that clinical, I was in a, a doctor's office working with the physician, and then I was with a nurse practitioner in a uh, rehab, like subacute rehab setting. So that was it was really tough. I was like working three twelve hour shifts, and then doing like two days of clinical a week. Um, but I would have to say, I mean, my husband was so supportive and helpful throughout all of that time and, and, and just in general. So I'm very, very lucky for that. And then also um, 
I, you know, it was tough. I decided I had to really step back and go down to part time. Uh, so working two 12 hour shifts a week rather than the three um, for the last like year. So it's doable. It's definitely doable. There's people in my program in the, my master's program that they have kids, you know, they have all these other things going on, but, but it's manageable. It's, you just kind of take it one day at a time and it's a lot, but you know that eventually you're going to get to that point where you're going to be able to apply your knowledge and be a provider. And I think the really special thing about nurse practitioners is they have so much bedside experience that they can bring into their practice as a provider. So not only just like clinical experience, but also that conversational and like relational experience that, you know, maybe other practices don't have as much. So I think that that's just a really special thing about about uh, what I'll be able to do as a nurse practitioner. I, w- I was wondering too, though, like if, if I'm a teacher or someone's a mechanic or something, who, people who have different careers, you know, you're you're in a very high emotional situation where you are seeing people in pain and suffering. How are you able to kind of almost deescalate your own sense of anxiety? Because you're seeing so much. Uh, like, how, how what is the type of self care things that you do to kind of keep these things uh, keep these things separate in your mind? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's that's really um, something that has taken time for me to learn, especially so when the first COVID wave hit, since we're an elective surgery floor, we completely stopped all of our surgeries and we did take care of the COVID patients during the first wave. So that was especially you know scary because we just had no idea what to expect. We had no idea how to help these patients that were coming in and the patients were so isolated. So at that time, I really started um, to journal quite a bit. Um, So that really just helps me to reflect on like what I'm feeling and like what I'm going through. So that's like something I do at home. Um, I'm still pretty into running. So I ran cross country and track at West Chicago. And uh, I've I've been very lucky to still be really close friends with um, the girls that I ran cross country and track with in high school. So yeah, so that has kind of stayed with me and helped me to kind of de-stress. So those are things like I do outside of work. But when I'm at work, I truly stop and take like five deep breaths if I'm in like a stressful situation. Um, And I would say also like if someone like a patient or a family member is like kind of, I don't want to say coming at you, but they're kind of coming at you and like you feel like they're just kind of, you know, they're upset. And I mean, there's certain things where you have to kind of decipher like, okay, this person, like they're upset, but they're not like aggressive. But if someone's coming at you where it's like, okay, this is unsafe. Like you definitely, there's resources, like you call, you know, there's security in the hospital, there's um, your team leader. So, but I think like just in situations where you're just feeling like overwhelmed, like, especially like just depending on the day at work, like sometimes I'll have like five, six patients or I'll be like the team leader. And I feel like I'm being pulled in a bunch of different directions. I literally just like stop and I take like five deep breaths. And then I say, okay, like, what do I need to do first? I need to prioritize where I'm going next. And like, I also kind of, in my mind, I'm like, okay, it's only 12 hours. Like, you know, it's one day at a time. Like, I think that that's also something to remember. And I mean, I don't, I want to be real about, you know, the nursing profession and yes, it's challenging, but I think the reward that you get from it, when you see somebody like just looking better or feeling better, you know, feeling more human at the end of the day, when they're able to like freshen up, like I think, and you were able to help them get up to the bathroom and stuff like that, like that, that basic, like human need and seeing someone that 
feels better about all of that. I think that just like gives you that like reward and not that you need a reward, but I just think it really gives you that rewarding feeling like, okay, I was, even though it was stressful, like I calmed myself down and I was able to like help somebody today. Yeah. That's, that's so, that's, I, I, it has to be so incredibly rewarding to see, you know, that because it, because it's, 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 you can witness it, you know, you, you saw where they were now you can see that they're, they're on the way to, to uh, recovery. So you're, you're going to be graduating with your master's in in a couple of weeks. What's the next move? Will you be able to stay within the practice of the hospital you're in at now, or are you going to, um, um, not that you, (laughs) That's that you're getting trouble with your current employer, anyway. But like, what's the what, what is the uh, what's the plan uh, for that? Yeah, so um, I decided to go with the concentration of family nurse practitioner. So nurse practitioner, you can you kind of have to decide what concentration interests you, um, which kind of comes from um, your past nursing experience, and, but also like kind of what direction you want to go in. So I decided on family nurse practitioner because it's more geared towards. Um, being a provider in like the outpatient setting. So like your primary care provider, like your doctor that you go see, you know, on for a yearly annual physical or something like that. Um, And it also, um, family nurse practitioner allows you to see um, like women for their physicals or children. Um, So, um, so that's kind of the route that I went. There's the acute care nurse practitioner where you are more focused on working in a hospital setting. Um, there's also a midwife where you're um, someone that's then delivering babies. So I don't know, it's really cool. So if someone's uh, considering nursing and they're considering like, okay, well, I want to do this, but maybe go further. It's something to think about there. Um, so personally, I want to work, I think I want to work in an outpatient setting. So I'm seeing patients um, for appointments, um, you know, could be a sick visit where they're coming in with like a fever and a cough. And of course, now we think COVID, but um, (laughs) there's a lot of uh, other things people come in for that, you know, they're dealing with um, or patients that are just coming in for their physicals. Um, So I think that the really cool part about that setting is that you get to build like a long-term relationship with your patient and you kind of can see like how they're changing over time and like whether or not things are working for them, like the interventions that you're providing are working for them. Um, So that's kind of where I want to go next. Um, We'll see kind of what happens, but uh, I'm really excited to kind of take the next step. You know, there's going to be some students that might listen to this and they are, might be curious to know, like, are there any books or podcasts or TV shows that you think are are a good mirror to like, cause you, obviously there's so many TV shows that deal with, you know, what goes on in hospitals, but are there any that you think that have kind of really captured, uh, as close of what that experience is? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> my first, uh, like knee jerk response is to say, uh, the show scrubs because, <laughs> because, uh, we've been, we've been watching that recently and that show is just, it's so funny. I mean, at this point it's of course outdated because it's like, they're using all paper charting and everything. But I mean, some of the medical conditions that they, uh, approach and take care of in the show are, are completely valid and they're using like the good, correct treatment and stuff. So that's kind of fun to watch. Um, but I would say like in more seriousness, I think there are, I think, you know, one of the good things about social media is that you can find like real providers on 
social media that are kind of sharing their experience. Um, like I follow a couple nurse practitioners that have like different podcasts or interviews about like their experience and especially even going through a nurse practitioner program and um, you have to find like your own um, preceptor. So that can be challenging, um, like your own like doctor or um, nurse practitioner to follow for your rotation. So it was, it was helpful for me to find those people. Um, so kind of just to kind of get their experience and, and, you know, just encouragement. Um, so I don't have anything like specific. Um, I don't have any, like knowing that there's, there are these kind of, uh, places that you can go to, uh, kind of, um, the communities that the social media for good, where people can kind of glom together and really kind of create this space where they can find those communities for sure. Ah, this is so great. Diana, I like to end the interview with, um, the guests to leave us with some tips for success. What would you uh, tell current Wildcats? So I would say, first of all, you know, you don't have to know what you want to do immediately. So, I mean, um, throughout like this interview, of course, like it's, I've kind of explained like, okay, yeah, I wanted to be a nurse. Like I knew I wanted to be a nurse and it's kind of worked out and I've absolutely like, it's my vocation. It's my calling. It's what I love to do. Um, But I would say a piece of advice is don't worry about like knowing what you want to do right away because you'll find something that you really enjoy and it might take some time. Everybody's road and path is a little different. Um, You know, I have some coworkers that they're their nurses and that was like their second or third career. Um, and they're absolutely incredible. You know, they're, they're great at what they do. Um, and then also like sometimes nursing isn't for everybody. So I think that's very applicable to like anything in life and any profession is like, you know, you go with your gut, you kind of listen to what you think you want to try and then you just try it. And if it doesn't work out, then there's always another route you can go. And there's always, um, you know, some part of like what you're interested in that you can apply to different things. Like my parents are both teachers. My sister's a teacher. And, um, but as a nurse, I do so much teaching. So it's kind of fun, like to think about like how our roles are similar and in that. Um, and I guess another piece of advice, um, you know, it's just to kind of enjoy where you're at. I guess it's kind of similar, but you know, it's, it's always so easy to be like, okay, what's the next step? Okay. What am I, you know, what, where am I going next? And it's like, it's just so important to kind of like enjoy life and, um, just kind of like where you're at in life too. So, um, you know, in high school, it's life is so much different than what it is in college and after school and kind of, you know, as, as you grow up. So, uh, enjoy, enjoy high school as high school and just kind of keep, keep going forward and just always pursue, you know, where you think you need to go with your, with your goals and stuff like that. Ah, perfect. Well, Diana, this has been great. Uh, congrats. Uh, Thank you. Your, <laughs> all the hard work that you have done. And uh, it's just so great knowing that you're out there helping people get better. And uh, it's, it's a pleasure talking to you today. So thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much for this time. It was great talking to you too. Thanks for listening. Help spread the word about We Go Places podcast by sharing this episode with one other wildcat. As always, find past and future episodes on Apple or Google Podcasts or any other platform. Just search We Go Vox. That's We Go V-O-X. You can also stay current by following us on Facebook at We Go Places podcast or on Twitter at We Go Places. 